Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. But it is the Huddle Up Podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Podcasts. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He's Zach Kelberman. And Zach, like all of us, is trying to get to the bottom of when are the Denver Broncos going to lock down Russell Wilson long term. Zach, you had an article today kind of going over what the Broncos' current thoughts are on, hey, extend Russ now, wait, how many years are left on his deal. Explain to people what the latest is on that. Well, as George Payton said a few weeks ago, nothing's uh, imminent. And uh, that was a report from Jeff Howe of The Athletic. They understand that they want to get something done. There's a mutual motivation for Russell Wilson to sign a new contract, rip up his current contract that he signed in Seattle and agree to a new deal with the Broncos. But nothing is seems like it's going to get done in the very near future. And as Howe reported, uh, Wilson understands the Broncos want to get through free agency, which they did. They want to get through the draft. And uh, also Wilson's working on his own right now. And as uh, how writes right there, I mean, he's trying to get familiar with his new teammates, having throwing sessions. And uh, it seems like maybe George Payton gave him a, you know, uh, unofficial promise to meet at the negotiating table at a later date. And Wilson is going along with that. He's not hurting for money. He's not going to have to live on cat food, Chad. He's making $35 million per year, but that's still a relative. And I say this word strongly pittance compared to quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, as you highlighted and Deshaun Watson making 50 million and $46 million per year, annually crazy money. So it would behoove Denver and George Payton to lock down Russell Wilson sooner rather than later, because in a few years, three, five years from now, $46 $46 million will seem like 35 now. That's the quarterback market. It's always ballooning. He's going to get a new contract. He wants to play until his 40s, another decade or so, and the Broncos have no qualms committing to him for the long term. It will get done. It's just not going to happen in the next couple of weeks or months. It's the same principle as I've told my wife since gas prices went through the roof. I said, look, honey, I know you're always uh, in a hurry, and she's most of the time she's in the car driving. She's got kids with her, a little infant and all this. It's not easy to make pit stops. But I tell her, Zach, every time you drive, just stop and top off the gas tank because as as uh, gas prices continue to rise, you know, you can get ahead of it a little bit. You can, like, maybe take the sting off somewhat if you get on that early. Quarterback value is continuing, as you said, to balloon. The sooner that they can maybe get to the table with something with Russ and make it a long-term deal, hey, look, if they do it a year from now, two years from now, it won't be $50 million anymore. It's going to be $55 million if they do it a year from now. If they do it two years from now, which how long does this deal run? Two more years, right, if I'm not mistaken? So if they do it in 2024, hey, welcome to the land of $60 million a year quarterback. So just get it done now. Like now meaning – sometime between now and when the regular season starts. Yeah, but you know, it's um a couple of years ago when Mahomes signed his extension, it was $45 million per year. He entered that vaunted territory. And now a couple of years later, there's two quarterbacks starting to making more money than him and Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers. It's always going to keep going up and up and up. Your uh, analogy is appropriate, but also what George Payton went through already last year with Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. He signed them sooner and not later. He got them to market value contracts, and less than a year later, look what Devontae Adams signed for. Look what um, – who was who the Jacksonville receiver? Um, a Christian Kirk, what he signed for. 
I mean, it's crazy money now. And now it looks like he got Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick for a steal. So they want to get something done. I think Russell Wilson's camp knows the Broncos will get something done. It's just not going to happen maybe until midseason. By the way, guys, I hate to burst your bubble if you were still holding out hope that the Broncos were going to sign Bobby Wagner, the linebacker. He's officially off the board making a deal with the L.A. Rams. So they decided, hey, we're not going to pay Vaughn, but we'll pay Bobby Wagner, which I don't know. I don't know about the wisdom of that, you know, as far as you could have found a way probably with Vaughn, although Zach Buffalo straight paid that man. So two different positions, too. It is two different positions, but if you're looking at it from a defensive perspective of defending your title, how many more cats are going to get skinned? <clears throat> Pardon the really bad uh, metaphor there. With Von Miller chasing quarterbacks as opposed to Bobby Wagner, you know, chasing down running backs. That's, I don't know. But either way, Bobby Wagner, he's off the board, signed with the Rams, so he stays in that division. Scott and I talked about a few podcasts ago how contracts are very much make-believe until you get down to the nuts and bolts of it. It's being reported as a five-year, $50 million deal for Bobby Wagner. That would come down to, I would guess, a one, two-year deal at most, and most of the money is front-loaded into year one. So contracts can be deceiving. He was seeking $14 million for one year. I would not be surprised if the deal boils down to just that. Either way, it's a big get for the Rams who want to repeat, and Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald on the same defense. That's pretty imposing. That it is. Hey, shout out to James Webb throwing down two nights in a row with a super chat. Hey, Thank we you. see you. We appreciate you, James. Thank you, buddy. We'll keep an eye out on, on anything you might have to uh, to say in the chat. Welcome. By the way, guys, good news. We left you last night with a 14% gap to bridge for the Facebook goal of reaching 250,000 stars in the month of March so that we can raffle off that Denver Broncos jersey of the winners choosing on Sunday. You guys bridged that gap this morning on Broncos for Breakfast, so we're officially at the goal for the month of March. So hats off to you guys. Much love and respect. Appreciate that. Sunday night show, we will absolutely do the raffle both on Facebook and YouTube. And here in just a few minutes, I'll do an update so everyone can see what the uh, standings, how they currently look on YouTube for the super chat contest that's running this month as well. Um, all right, there's another thing. I want. Claude, thank you, buddy. Good to see you. Appreciate you throwing down, big dog, being in the room. Richard Anthony, jumping in with a super early before we no right as we went live. Thank you, Richard. Means a lot, big dog. Appreciate that very, very much. Uh, Zach, as everybody knows, I've had some misgivings about the Randy Gregory signing. But those misgivings have been largely, or I should say, were largely mitigated by just the relative team-friendly value of his contract. If you look at it from the surface, five years, $70 million, you're like, wait, what's so team-friendly? But the way that bad boy is structured, trust, it is team-friendly. I can go over the salary cap numbers here in a minute if you'd like. But So that made me feel a little bit better. But then... You know, cut to a day or two later, we learn that he has, you know, he's going under the knife, the shoulder, the whole thing. Well, now you've got outlets like Zach Pro Football Focus who have listed Randy Gregory amongst their top five uh, biggest boom or bust free agent signings. We can go through the rationale and let people see what they're saying here of uh, the 2022 free agent cycle. What's your immediate reaction to that? I mean, the same pro football focus that just yesterday we had a search and search and Patrick Sertan wasn't listed among its quarterback rankings. Um, the same pro football focus who put out a graphic today about what cornerback would you start, would you sit, would you bench. Sertan wasn't even listed among J.C. Horn and a few other. So I don't really care. Once again, whether it's NFL.com, Bleacher Report, Pro Football Focus, Nick Wright, I do not care what one person or one outlet has to say. I, we all have our opinions on Randy Gregory. You can you can read the stats as you see right there, the data. When he's healthy, he is a menace. And I think people are overreacting a little bit to the shoulder surgery. It was agreed upon by the Broncos and Randy Gregory's camp when he put pen to paper. It wasn't blindsiding Denver by the fact he needed surgery. It was something he dealt with in Dallas. And the Broncos, you know, they were killed last year for waiting and waiting with Bradley Chubb. And that extended into the regular season. Well, now they're getting on top of it in March, so he's healthy by September. And people are still freaking out. 
You can talk about his baggage, which results to uh, marijuana-related offenses, something the NFL is not even testing for or caring about anymore. You can talk about his injury history, but to chide him because one outlet or one person thinks it was a bad signing, I think it's very short-sighted. So here's the rationale. And by the way, Michael, appreciate you, bro. You have been throwing down today, helping us as a community get to the goal. So cool, my friend. We really love and appreciate you. Here is what the rationale is from PFF. Quote, Gregory recorded a career-high 84.7 pass rushing grade while playing the second-most pass rushing snaps of his NFL tenure. Gregory's career has been a well-documented roller coaster marred by injuries and suspensions. Finally, he was able to put together a more complete season in which he started in 12 of his 13 games and put up immense production from the right side. 42 pressures, 5 sacks, 12 hits, 25 hurries. The boom side of this signing for Denver is the hope that Gregory can replace the consistent edge-rushing presence the team lost after trading Von Miller to the Rams last year and that Bradley Chubb can return to form after a down 21 campaign, really bad PFF grade, that was hindered by injury, close quote. So, Zach, I think the biggest thing here that makes people like me uncomfortable about Randy Gregory uh, more so, like post, I was already a little uncomfortable in the shoulder thing, what kind of braises the hair on the back of my neck is what happened with Bradley Chubb last year. Now, it's a little bit different in that Chubb ended his 2020 campaign uh, Pro Bowl year, missed the last two games because of that ankle. And then they decided uh, in, in consult with the team doctors, did Bradley Chubb, you know what, instead of jumping out right away and, and jumping into if this needs a corrective procedure, anything arthroscopic or any kind of surgery, let's do it as early in the offseason as possible so that I have as much possible time to heal and rehab as I would, would need before the season. They ended up kicking that can down the road, and it didn't get better. It didn't get better. He ended up going under the knife, Zach. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, literally his OTAs were starting, rookie minicamp, so like after the draft. So we're talking May, Bradley Chubb decides to go under the knife, and then we know how that shook out they tried not to rush him back but it's the nfl comes back he's not ready he's there for week one but he wasn't ready so they put him on ice for whatever it was eight weeks when he comes back not the same player didn't even register a single sack he did make one really good play and that was an interception off was it mahomes didn't he pick off mahomes i'm not mistaken but that's what worries me a little bit is just how and maybe it's some kind of a recency bias because it just happened last year but that's what is just kind of gnawing at me well, I mean, it's a rotator cuff for Gregory. If he was a quarterback, I'd be concerned about him having surgery. Good point. But he's a he's a defensive edge rusher. Yep. It's on his knee. It's on his ACL. It's on his foot. It's a it's a shoulder. Maybe he'll wear a harness in training camp the preseason, but he should be good to go. I saw someone ask Travis there, how much time is Gregory going to miss? Uh, it sounds like all of the offseason program. So they'll have voluntary and mandatory practices. They'll have OTAs that run throughout you know May and, and June before the break into training camp. He's right now, I think, iffy for training camp too, but he should be good to go barring any setbacks for the regular season. I think it's a smart move. They want to fix it once and for all, and if he can stay healthy with his shoulder repaired, he's going to give the Broncos back, just as you listed there, hurries, sacks, pressures, production. Yes, indeed. That's a good point because Bradley Chubb, he's, you know, I mean, NFL players, they their bodies need to be balanced, obviously. I mean, you got to have the upper body strength. You got to have the core. You got to have the lower body. Uh, but in the case of just about any NFL player, if lower body injuries are always going to be much more concerning and likely crippling um, than, you know, I mean, even a peck or a shoulder or whatever. And in, like Bradley Chubb last year, it was an ankle. The dude just could not twist and explode. He couldn't, you know, dig in and do his thing. So that is one of the silver linings. Phil, shout out. What's up, buddy? And Travis Tarbox, good to see T twice in the house. That's one of the silver linings here, guys, of the procedure that Randy Gregory has uh, undergone. It's a shoulder. So he's not, you know, he's not going to be throwing 40 times a game. He's not Russell Wilson. He's going to be chasing after quarterbacks. And, you know, he'd be much better if that thing's not a bum shoulder. But at the same time, even if it's Zach at, uh, 90%, 95%, he's still probably a guy because of his position that can still get out there, play, and win his reps.
I feel like if it was Draymond Jones, for example, who needed surgery and was going to miss the, the offseason program, Broncos fans wouldn't care so much, but that it's Gregory who got paid all this money. It was Gregory who was signed over the likes of Chandler Jones and Von Miller. Uh, that's being held against him as well, considering his injury history and his suspension. So it should be okay. I mean, ideally, you want him there for offseason practices to be weightlifting with the team, but come fall is all I really care about. If he can get on the field for the regular season come week one and be 100% get out your quarterbacks that's a okay guys as you know we are your football priests each and every day nearly zach and i are on this podcast four times a week four out of seven to offer you the absolution the answers to your burning broncos questions and we love them we love hearing what's on your mind hearing your thoughts uh what's eating at you what kind of topics you want to get to Shane, by the way, appreciate you. We're going to see you next week, right? You're going to be on the show next week. He wants to know what is your opinion on the biggest position of need for the draft, Zach? You know, it's it's really a wonderful thing to say, but they don't have any glaring priority, you know, ASAP, DEFCON, what would it be, one, three? I forget how the, the ranking goes. The biggest DEFCON. Uh, they would they could use some long-term fixtures like at right tackle, inside linebacker, but they they filled quarterback, and that was the biggest need. But when you have players like Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton starting, or Billy Turner as Band-Aids, I think those are the positions you have to look at. And it seems like the Broncos are meeting with just about every offensive lineman in their top 30 interviews as allowed. Uh, so they're going to probably address that position, I would say, in the second round. Got to take care of Russell Wilson. You got to keep that dude on his two feet. Real quick, guys, here's your update. This is, of course, the last day, the last podcast, the last opportunity of the month of March to make a dent in the Super Chat rankings. If we were to call it right now, Ethan, a.k.a. the DWI guys, would be number one. Big time on the morning show with uh, Scott and Nick. The Duchess at number two. D-Dub from Paradise in Hawaii at number three. Naj. Had leapfrogged up into number four, Zach. And ain't nothing but a G-Thang Hill at number five. Love seeing that. Mark Langley, he climbed a little bit. He's just outside the top five. Pobby's there. Jeremy, a.k.a. Black Knight, 232. Sam Bam, John Clay Eventing, and then Nash the Fifth, Dave Millage, Kayaka. There's some of the names, Corey H. and Nathan. Uh, so it's, it's still uh, within spitting distance, I think. So appreciate you guys. Zach, in the spirit of continuing to pillory PFF, right? PFF, there's some really good things they do. Um, other, some of their advanced metrics, all right, those things can be gold. Uh, as we talk about with uh, grades and some of the other things, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, hang tight just one second, Andrew Baker. Stay just right, just right where you are. We're going to grab this. Um, but, you know, here's another thing that kind of makes you wonder, all right, about PFF. Let me let me quote them real quick. Here, here's what they said recently this week. No team has improved its 2022 outlook, Zach, more than the Broncos, who landed the prized offseason acquisition, prying a frustrated Russell Wilson away from the Seattle Seahawks. The cost wasn't overly prohibitive as the Broncos were able to keep their young offensive skill position core intact. The question becomes, how quickly can Denver's offense gel under new head coach Nathaniel Hackett's scheme? Denver has little room for error playing in the toughest division in football. PFF's simulation as far as what the record is, what they predict the record to be in 2022. PFF's simulation isn't optimistic about the Broncos' outlook, projecting them to finish with less than 10 wins 58% of the time when they simulate. So Denver is a trendy team heading into 22, which is all the more reason to fade the team, Zach. So based off simulation, all this stuff, in what world do they think Russell Wilson? I mean, again, let me remind everybody, 10 years in the league, eight times playoffs. Really, you think Russell Wilson's not even going to get to double digits this year? Hmm. Well, it's weird because it's contradictory, as always. They laud the Broncos for being the most improved team, but they predict them to have two more wins than they had under Vic Fangio last year. I, I don't care. I really don't. And you know, when it comes to analysis, Chad, I, I what I deem good analysis is something I didn't already know or something I can say, oh, that's a good point. Everything you read there, I already knew about the Broncos. It's fairly common sense. Yeah, Russell Wilson made them better. They have to protect him. New coach, yada, yada, yada. But to predict less than 10 wins after you hype them up to that point, when you look at the roster, and it really is pretty strong all the way around. And I don't know. I, I don't care what, what they have to say, quite frankly. It's very strong. 
it's very strong. This roster, I mean, this is as balanced as I've seen the roster heading into a draft since the Peyton Manning years. Really, like if you think, I mean, obviously the biggest, the biggest uh, value in that equation is the quarterback. You got the quarterback, but George Peyton has done a great job, a great job in filling the different roster holes. All right, where's Andrew? We'll we'll keep talking about this, but Andrew Baker in the house. Uh, by the way, did we settle on that dude? The date before I forget, did we did we settle on? Standby real quick from Andrew Baker. Yep. All right, May the fourth be with you. Indeed, going to be on the show May fourth. Dope. Star Wars Day. He says, all this talk about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy's production is awesome. But what about Tim Patrick and Albert? Oh, Pookie, Javante Williams, going to ball too, man. Russ has so many weapons now. LOL. Let's ride. Yeah, he does, dude. That's why, again, you know, you got to, one of the things PFF is missing in that calculus, all right, is the fact that Seattle's whole philosophy, it just was never centered around the rare species of quarterback that they happen to have right sitting under their nose. You know, a lot of the things Seattle did during the Russell Wilson era uh, was done in spite of the coaches, in spite of the game plans. Russell Wilson would pull rabbits out of hats. Trust me when I say George Payton and then, of course, Nathaniel Hackett and his staff, those dudes, Zach, they are not going to make any kind of similar mistake. Like this whole thing is going to be built around Russell Wilson. And it starts with, as Andrew just brings up, a phenomenal skill position supporting cast. And already the offensive line is a significant upgrade over what he's been dealing with in Seattle. They go into the draft and knock out a couple other positions relative to the O-line. Dude, this offense, this whole team going to be loaded for bear on this hunt. They also won seven games in spite of largely the coaching staff and the quarterbacking. And both those areas are largely improved, widely improved with Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. So how you expect the Broncos to finish, let's say, nine and eight when they finished seven and ten last year is, is idiotic, in my opinion. But in terms of the weapons around Russell Wilson, no one's talking about the fact that Russell Wilson is his own weapon. You're talking about a quarterback that's a true dual threat. He might not be the scrambler he once was in his earlier prime, but he's still pretty lethal on the ground. They are, if everything clicks, I'm going to use the U word, unstoppable on offense. The 2013-2014 Peyton Manning Broncos offenses, it really could be back to that level with Russell Wilson. I don't fall for hyperbole very often, but you look around every single position from running back to tight end to wide receiver to Wilson himself, if they can just nail down the offensive line and solidify that, you're talking about a lethal offense. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, we have a ride or die member of our community rocking the MHH hat with pride in Nevada. Robert Otteson with a super chat. Thank you, bro. He says hi from Nevada's biggest Broncos fan. I wear my MHH hat with pride. Hashtag let him hate. That is rad, dude. That's cool. Guys, um, we can remind you, we, we mentioned it at the end of the show, but I think sometimes every once in a while, Zach, it's worth our time to just show people what's out there. We're going to be adding a lot to this here in the very near future, okay? But, there, I mean, there's everything from face masks to hoodies to T-shirts to mugs to you pick it, you need it. It's probably on the site. So just go to huddleuppod.com and find what works for you. Hey, it helps us out, helps keep the lights on, and you got nice little piece of swag to rep the brand. We appreciate you. Lana, thank you very much. Great to see you in the chat. Appreciate it. You as well, Stu Meat. I don't know what the sticker is. Unfortunately, on our end, we can't see the actual uh, emojis. Probably some kind of a hippo, right? What, what do we call it? The acid hippo? Are we bringing back acid hippo, Mr. Stumeet? Big T. Good evening, priests. Broncos country. I know Denver and Russ are not in a hurry to get a new deal done, but as they say, sooner the better. Now, with Wagner out of the picture, do we see Denver getting K uh, Kareem Jackson or Melvin Gordon resigned? I know this was discussed before, but for depth in the locker room, I wouldn't mind both. Um, it's in the hopper, you know, I think Jackson is much more likely to be re-signed just because from a value perspective, I don't think he's going to find too many NFL teams looking to throw too much money at him. So whatever number the Broncos are willing to bring him back at probably is, uh, more feasible anyway for Melvin, in his case, Melvin Gordon, Zach, you know, he'll probably hold out. He'll probably wait. Even if he doesn't get what he wants in the between now and the NFL draft, 
it's probably in his best interest to just stay in shape, ride it out, wait till training camp when the bodies start dropping across the league as the attrition of training camp amps up and then go get paid somewhere. Well, don't forget Melvin Gordon wasn't a George Payton signing. You know who was is Mike Boone. And he brought him over from Minnesota. He paid him RB2 money, and, and uh, right now he's the RB2. So the longer that Melvin Gordon goes unsigned by Denver, and I don't believe that Bobby Wagner was holding up discussions with Kareem Jackson or Melvin Gordon. It wasn't, you know, one thing leads to another. Um, but there's a, there's a chance, but the longer it goes, it could signal that they're good with Mike Boone behind Javante, or they might take a running back in the draft to supplement both of them. I think Kareem comes back on a one-year deal, but again, the longer that goes unresolved, the, the higher the likelihood they're going to address that position safety uh, through the draft. Indeed. Um, we also have here Sebastian Walker. I think that's two nights in a row for Sebastian Walker as well. By the way, I was looking for you on uh, Twitter last night, bro, and I couldn't see you. So if you're on Twitter, make sure you're connected with Zach and I. And even if you're following us, do one of these in the mention. Let us know it's you. Sometimes the handle on Twitter is different than what it is on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. So appreciate the super, my friend. He says, hey, Chad and Zach, keep up the good work. Thank you. Just wondering, are the Broncos going to use Javante Williams like they used Terrell Davis back in the day? Go Broncos. Well, in many respects, that's kind of the, the vision. It's the wide zone rushing attack. And that's basically you know, a scheme that was pioneered in Denver. It was the co-brainchild of Mike Shanahan and Alex Gibbs, the O-line coach. This whole zone blocking, stretch the defense horizontally, find a running back with great vision and instincts that can flow with the line, and then when they see that cutback lane, boom, they go. Javante, you know, I want to believe because he's so smart between the years that he'll be able to master it. I'm not super high and bullish on him being able to like be TD, you know, week one, but I think this year, he's going to definitely be RB1. He's going to get to 1,000. He'll stay healthy, I think. Will he be throwing down legendary numbers like TD did back in the day? I don't know. I'm not sure on that yet, but I still think he's going to have a very good season. Two different time periods in the NFL as well. When Terrell Davis was around, it was a one running back league. There was the work, the, the, you know, the era of workhorses yep. at running back. No longer the case in today's NFL. And even Nathaniel Hackett said himself, he wants a stable, quote, stable of running backs. It leads me to believe there's one more coming, whether it's Gordon or a draft pick, but they're going to platoon Javante to some capacity. But they were pretty much splitting carries 50-50 last year with Gordon. If they can nudge that number to even 70-30, that would satisfy me. Keep him healthy, but let him get his touches and establish himself as what he is, which is a true RB1. I'm with you. I think 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns should be the floor for Javante in 2022. By the way, um, this just in, it was a rainbow unicorn super sticker from Stu Meat. So nice, right. nice work, big dog. Miguel, what's going on, bro? Appreciate you, my friend. He says, I know this is way too early to say anything about the 22 Broncos, but where besides this, where besides the Super Bowl teams have you been this excited about a roster? Well, look, we were all pretty geeked up in 2020, right? Then the pandemic hits. Why were we geeked up? Well, in 2020, you're coming off Drew Locke's rookie year where, you know, he came in and finished the season on a positive note for the team going four and one. We were pretty excited about the the team's prospects then, but really this excited, I mean, definitely not since Peyton, you know, no doubt about it, but I probably have to go back if we're, ex if we're taking out the Super Bowl team. So that's the Peyton era, the Elway era. I'll probably say the 2005 Broncos, the, the final year of Jake as the full-time starter, Jake Plummer. Man, that team was just so stacked, dude. And they could run the ball. They could attack you vertically. They had 2,000-yard receivers on the outside, Rod Smith, Ashley Lee. They had a good tight end, 2,000-yard um, rushers, basically. I mean, Mike Anderson, Tatum Bell. And that defense was underrated. You still had Smoke Dog, Al Wilson, patrolling holding it down at middle linebacker, DJ Williams. I think it was the last vestiges of Ian Gold, although I could be wrong on that if Ian was on the 05 squad. But the biggest thing that team lacked, Zach, I know you weren't on the beat back then, but for Bronco fans who've been with it for a while, biggest thing that team lacked was edge rushers. And they just continued to try bringing out former high-round picks of the Cleveland Browns to see if they could come rush a quarterback in Denver. They became known as the Denver Browncos because of Courtney Brown and Ebenezer Ekubon and even Gerard Warren 
and whatnot. So anyway, probably 05 to answer you in a long-winded way, Miguel. I'm going to say 2019. I, I was hyped when the Broncos got Joe Flacco, man. Let me tell you, <laughs> I was I was shaking in my boots for the rest of the NFL. No, but seriously, since the Bronco Peyton Manning years, for sure, there hasn't been this much excitement because it's the first legitimate quarterback to play for Denver since Peyton Manning. If A secondary answer, serious answer, maybe 2016, though. They were defending the title. They had the nucleus of that team mostly in place, obviously, minus Peyton Manning. They still had the defensive pieces around. Um, but certainly not since Peyton did I think the Broncos are going to have true Super Bowl aspirations as they do this year. Mark it down. By the way, um, and this is shout out to uh, Buy's line. That's uh, Zach Buy and Brandon Stokely, 104.3 The Fan. Uh, Stokely and Zach, we touched on that whole Noah Fant thing on last night's show. Noah Fant did admit in that conversation that he was, quote, frustrated by how the Broncos used him during his time in Denver. Does that surprise anyone george what's going on big dog good to see you you know what's surprising though is that he admitted he learned about the trade while working out he, he saw it on tv so the broncos didn't even tell him they were trading him and that would lead me to believe that no they do not want him back he might want to come back as he teased but it seemed like denver moved on for a reason and they're quite happy with alberto so i feel bad for anyone involved the last couple years under Pat Shermer, from Noah Fant to Jerry Judy to the quarterbacks to everyone on offense, they were truly hindered by that incompetent coaching staff. Man, we could spend, if we wanted to sit and torture ourselves, we could spend the rest of the podcast just talking about how that coaching staff squandered talent, especially on offense. But we don't need to be gluttons for punishment. Good times are in the future now. Uh, Nash the fifth in the house. What is good, bro? Thank you, buddy. He says, good evening, Priest. I'm hoping we get to see Gregory and Bradley Chubb sharing the field more often than we saw uh, when Miller was there. I'd be more concerned with Chubb having a prolonged injury than Gregory. I understand that, but Zach? I was I was actually thinking earlier, I don't know why Gregory gets all, the, uh, all this criticism and disdain for going under the knife, and Bradley Chubb has no criticism attached to him he's been relatively a bust as the fifth overall pick he's been injured more than he's been healthy and he's making 14 million dollars in his fifth year option no one's batting an eyelash to that but everyone's getting on randy gregory for having elective surgery in march i don't get it you know the broncos had a vision when they drafted bradley chubb they could have drafted you know a trio of quarterback options that were still there well who was it so josh allen lamar Rosen. Rosen. All right. So two of the those three, you know, would have been great then, but I digress. They had a vision for Chubb. And that was, hey, this is now Vaughn's DeMarcus Ware, and Chubb is young Vaughn. And outside of that 2018 season, Chubb's rookie year, man, they just the, those two guys ended up having just bad luck. When one was healthy, the other one was out, and so on and so forth. So it just unfortunately you know, that tease we got 26 and a half combined sacks together in 2018, it was not long for the world. So um, let's hope that that kind of a return to edge production, though, is what's in store because Malik Reed, he's a great try hard guy. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, we'll see, but they need those two premier and they are premier edge rushers. They need them healthy on the field and producing. Mike Reno, all the stars I have left to make 250K. Hope it helps. Dude, thank you, bro. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate that, my friend. Seriously, much love and respect. It all adds up, big dog. Appreciate it. Yeah, but something about Bradley Chubb and Gregory, if both of them hit, the Broncos could lead the league in sacks or be up there, something they were at the bottom of the NFL and under Vic Fangio. But if even one of them hits, either Chubb or Gregory, they will have better production than we saw last year uh, because of the players that you mentioned, Malik Reed and Jonathan Cooper, nice players to have. They're not long-term starters. When you factor in that uh, Ajiro Evero is going to be more aggressive on defense and blitz more than Vic Fangio ever did, that's going to help the sack production as well. So we have to keep our fingers crossed because on paper, that duo at edge, and along with Baron Browning as well, who's going to see some time as a pass rusher, they can be good if they just stay healthy. Big if, but let's hope. All right, we got a good one here from nothing but a G-Thang. Um, he says, and thank you for that very generous super bro. Good evening, Chad and Zach. Do you guys know based on players on the roster, who's starting on offense and defense and where you would rank each? Well, I still need to, uh, publish the defensive version of this, but Zach, as we kind of go through some of this stuff for scratch and sniff purposes, here is the projected 2022 
uh, depth chart slash starting lineup. We all know who it's going to be at quarterback, right? We all know who it's going to be at wide receiver. Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, and then, you know, sprinkle in a little KJ, of course. Tight end, it's probably going to be Albert Okawebanam unless Zach uh, Eric Tomlinson comes in and suddenly like just looks like the truth as a receiver, which I doubt, or unless they go get a, you know, Trey McBride trade up and get a Trey McBride in the draft, which I don't see happening. Real quick, running back, we know who it's going to be. All right, it's Pookie, and then Mike Boone's right behind him. Uh, at fullback, it's one guy, it's Andrew Beck. At left tackle, it's Bolsey. Right, left guard projected, it's going to probably still be. Dalton Reisner, center. This is where it gets interesting, Zach. What do you think happens at center? This is the only – I put the same thing out on Twitter, I think it was yesterday, and a lot of you guys interacted with it. And uh, Glasgow and Cushenberry at center was the only one tripping me up. I think everything's pretty much else set in stone. Cushenberry was working out with Russell Wilson. He was at that passing camp a few weeks ago. But then again, they brought Glasgow back for a reason. They restructured him among the first moves that they made this offseason, and he had a better rating at center in Detroit than he did at guard. I don't know. It could be a true open competition. I think this scheme change will benefit Cushenberry, and Glasgow's injury history will, will, will work against him. Ultimately, I think it will be Cushenberry starting. We shall see. I, I still kind of have a feeling about Glasgow um, ending up, you know, if they're just trying to make the most of what they have, because who you gonna who would you rather sit down, Cush or Quinn Miners? That's really what it comes down to in that case. Uh, Quinn Miners, I'm projecting him for now as the starter at right guard, but oh, he is. You know, we're not in the heads of these coaches. Like they could be thinking, and this is a new staff too, so it's even harder to try and get a beat on that. Maybe they're in love with the notion of of Lloyd Cushenberry blocking and snapping for. Russell Wilson. And if that's the case, then, hey, Glasgow, you got to go unseat Quinn Miners at right guard. But if they had to play football, Zach, tomorrow, right tackle, it's going to be Billy Turner, right? And supplemented by Tom Compton, Calvin Anderson, et cetera. So there's your offense. And I would say as as a – oh, Travis, that's cool, dude. Throwing down stars for Travis Weber, big ups. But I would say, like, overall, I'm giving that a – I'm giving that a solid A – Starting lineup, projected starting lineup. Still a few things, you know, that are in the wind, <clears throat> not quite resolved yet that only time will be able to uh, to tell, but I'm giving it an A. If if they had maybe have a little bit more bona fide guy at right tackle and we had clarity at center and we knew perhaps, Zach, that Dalton Reisner was actually going to cash in on that, all the big talk from his rookie year and his draft pedigree, it'd be an A+. Well, the next story I'm working on for MileEyeHuddle.com is Hackett entrenching Quinn Miners at right guard. At the NFL owners' meetings, he kind of slipped up in talking about Quinn Miners. Hackett did. He says he's going to be a really good right guard for us. And then if he was asked whether he's excited to coach Quinn Miners, he said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he's a big guy. He can run off the ball and is very strong. We're very excited for him. That seems like a starter at right guard. So it's either Glasgow to me. I think he could play left guard. Why not? He can flip from right to left. Not that too big a deal. If you want to replace the, the second weakest link on the O-line, I don't think it's Cushenberry. I think it's Reisner, quite honestly. It's true. I mean, well, I would I would give the edge. If, if we're looking at weak links, I would go center, then Dalton Reisner. I'd go Cush, then Reisner. But it's an argument can be made that it's negligible. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, Here's the biggest thing why you wouldn't necessarily want Quinn Miners at left guard. You could definitely put him at left guard, but you're going to be running power. Your strong side's always going to be right and not power, but when you do go power, it's going to be on the right-hand side. So you need your right guard out there truck being able to have a little bit more oomph. And obviously amongst all the dudes that we just mentioned there, that's Quinn Miners. And I thought it was cool too, Zach. Hackett, when he was talking about Miners, yeah, you know all the videos of him like you know chopping down trees or whatever, you know? Like he he knows a little something something about Quinn Miners. He seems like a Hackett kind of guy, doesn't he? The belly he does. He just has the personality and the play style. I think he's going to thrive there. So I would I would pencil in with permanent pencil if that's a thing. I would put Quinn Miners in there at right guard for sure. Edward Keating, dude, we're stoked to have you on the show next month. It's going to be a gas. Appreciate the super. He says I am so excited for the season. I can't wait to play the Chiefs and beat them this year. Finally, I got my Wilson jersey on the way. 
Can't wait to be back on the show. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's going to be fun, dude. I got you. I got you in the phone. I got you locked in. We're looking forward to that, bro. Thanks, Ed. Good to see you as always. Um, Dave Glassman, by the way, just want to shout out Dave. Dave, let not your heart be troubled. All right. Broncos Book Club, Kelberman's Corner, the Trickle Zone. It's all getting revamped and it's going to be even better very, very soon. We have some big news on that front. So just stay patient with us a little bit longer. You're going to be very, very stoked. But it is so cool to see you in the chat. And also David Bingman in the chat at the very top. Good to see David in the house, bro. Hope you hope you're doing okay. Um, all right, where are we at? We're at 40 minutes. You know, we don't necessarily need to grind this into a full hour, Zach. I mean, I think we've kind of um, we've hit a lot of the the pressing issues for today. Let's just see if there's any final burning questions, burning topics on every, anybody's mind. Andrew says here, does Hackett work with Russ building the offensive game plan, or does Nathaniel call the plays and then leave it to Russ to audible if he needs to? That'd be awesome. Bring him back, Omaha. LOL. Instead, he says, let's ride. Uh, let's ride 33. Let's ride 33. But look, no, here's how it works. When Nathaniel Hackett at the owner's meeting was asked, hey, what kind of an offense you know, you're going to be doing? He said, whatever Russ wants to do. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> so here's how it works. Russell gets a call in from Nathaniel Hackett. And just like any competent veteran quarterback, he's going to have the autonomy when he gets to the line to audible to something if depending on the looks, right? So this whole scheme though, it's going to be, it's going to be Nathaniel Hackett's playbook and Nathaniel Hackett's verbiage and nomenclature. But that whole thing is Russell Wilson. I mean, you've seen pictures of Russ in the Broncos building with like big books in front of him. Hopefully you guys have seen that. Those are playbooks, dude. I mean, Mike McCoy, for example, all right. He of the 2011, 2012 fame went and got the head coach job. LA came back uh, after getting fired and then, you know, ended up lasting halfway through. Well, what, what year was that? Zach 17, right? VJ's yeah. first year. Anyway, he said his playbook was had North of 1100 pages in it. 1100. Now who knows? Maybe that's one of the reasons why players struggle to assimilate that particular scheme. But my, what I'm getting at is Russell Wilson will have these tomes of a playbook that Hackett has crafted over his years diligently in the league, and he'll go through and earmark what he likes, Zach, and that's going to be it, basically. Yeah, McCoy was fired for good old Billy Musgrave, who turned out to be quite the prize at OC as well. Um, I think it's a little of both, though. Obviously, Russell Wilson will have input in the game planning, maybe even the personnel moves the Broncos make on offense, so he will certainly lend his voice into the actual play designs. But it's also Nathaniel Hackett taking charge as the play caller, and uh, he's the one. He has final say. He'll give Russ the option to audible, but it's uh, Russ is going to run the play call that Hackett calls. You know, dials in. It's your birthday! Shout hooray for Albert Knoppers turning fifty-four today. Happy birthday, bro! You're a young fifty-four. Let me tell you, big dog. Thanks, uh, thanks for the stars and happy birthday. Hope you have either have or are doing something really fun for your birthday, bro. And uh, thanks for spending some of it with us, dude. Appreciate you, Albert. Let's get some birthday shouts for Albert in the comment section, guys. Great guy. Going. Great Broncos fan. Nathan, good to see you, bro. Thank you for the super chat. Much love and respect. And Michael, yeah, dude, you've thrown down big-time stars today, helping us get over goal. Uh, we're raffling off a jersey. It's going to be fun. We're raffling off a jersey Sunday night. But, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to looking through here. Any last burning things? And then we're going to – dip out of here maybe a little bit early tonight um before we do let me just let me just take a, a quick little uh hey, y'all answer in the call look at y'all guys todd g hill uh sinji ej happy birthday albert very very much deserved shout outs let's grab one or two from people who are not able to throw down stars or super chats here really quick uh, and then we'll we'll dip out at least one because let me see here. There was one up here. I'm trying to find it. Scott had to bounce a little bit early tonight. He'll be uh, so rad. Um, let me see. Where'd it go, dude? I found a good one. Bear with Phil, me, guys. Sorry for the appreciate that, Phil. Sorry yes. for Albert. Albert is quite the legend. If you ever met him, if you ever get the chance to meet him, he is unique and one of a kind in the greatest way. So thank you so much, Richard. Appreciate you. Nathan throwing down for Albert. Albert's a freaking legend, man. Look at the call 
that he heeds. We got Dylan, the moderator. Happy birthday, Albert. We got J.R. Caprone. Happy birthday, Albert. Y'all are the greatest. He very much appreciates it. All right, last one, guys. I thought I had one, but um, I, I can't see it, and I don't want you guys just listening to dead air. So uh, Nash, number five, in the house again. Thank, Thank you, bro. Nash. He says, I hope Miners unleashes the beast and lets that belly breathe. Yeah, dude, I'm excited to see him in year two because what we did get to see from Quinn Miners last year, you know, you got to look at the context of that. First of all, he he played in a small division. He wasn't a division one guy, Wisconsin Whitewater. And then also his school, like, just canceled football in 2020. So the, the year first year of the pandemic, they just said, yeah, we're not going to play football. So he went all of 2020 without – participating in the game of football. And then at the end of that year, or I should say, I guess at the beginning of 21, he gets the invite to come compete at the senior bowl and he goes and he crushes it. And the rest is history. So he had just been Zach out of practice gets to Denver into the hands of Mike uh, Munchak and, and um, what was his name? Chris Cooper. And, you know, he was still very raw. We don't want to pretend here that Quinn Miners was without any warts, but the Broncos did have to turn to him. And when they did, especially in the running game, dude, forced to be reckoned with some of Javante Williams' dopest runs of last year that were, you know, well downfield. Go back and watch them, guys, because guess who you'll see down there with him just trucking and clearing the way, cleaning things up, Quinn Miners. And I just love that hustle, dude. I just, I love it. Yeah, he's going to be a building block for years to come in an ideal scenario. And it's funny, what happens when you invest in the offensive line in the premium rounds? You get a building block. So hopefully George Payton learned that and learned from one of John Elway's fatal flaws was never investing in the O-line. They need to do it at right tackle, guard, all the way around. You can never have too many capable offensive linemen. And I think Packett and Payton are learning that. Uh, D Porter says, Hey guys, I caught the episode from yesterday with Naj. I grew up with him. We've been friends for 40 years. He's the real deal. That's cool, bro. He is the real deal. Yeah. We, we got much love and respect for Naj El Taf. Um, last one, guys, from Twitch. Rao Blitz, R A L Blitz. We got to be looking at the draft for more edge rusher help, I think. He says, I'd love Calais Campbell, but he doesn't seem to be the prototype Peyton free agent. Well, and plus, he's old, you know. He's going to start slowing down. I think he has started slowing down a little bit. You've seen it. But, you know, I mean, you could always use a stud like Calais Campbell inside, but he's not really an edge rusher anyway. Calais Campbell's a three-tech, you know, defensive tackle. You can play five-tech. He's not really an edge guy, but I don't disagree, Zach, with his premise about the draft and, and adding more edge just because, as we talked about at the top of the show, you've got a injury-prone Bradley Chubb. You've got a currently injured. Randy Gregory, uh, if you want to hang your defense's pass rushing hopes on Malik Reed and Jonathan Cooper in terms of fail safes, right? In terms of contingencies, so be it. But I'd rather go get, you know, what is it? They got five picks in the top 115 or 120. Either way, they got they got three picks in the top 100 still. One of those I think will be an edge. But there's the wild card, and that's Browning. What they want to do with him That's off the true. edge and an outside linebacker, if the if he's in a transition full time, a la Demarcus Walker, um, they have their edge backup right there. And uh, when you have on paper two starters in Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, the latter of whom you gave seventy million dollars to, you're pretty good there. I agree, it's a need. They should supplement that, but I don't think before they should supplement right tackle, for example, or cornerback, for example. It's not a dire need, as far as I'm concerned. By the way, shout out to Stone. Appreciate you, Stone Carranza, in the house. All right, this is for real the last one that we're going to bounce. From J.R. Caprone, do you think they'll take a running back in the draft or work Boone into the offense more? Yeah, I mean, the depth chart at uh, running back behind Boone is Demaria Crockett, and then nothing. So they're going to add more running backs, and it's either going to be Zach in the draft itself or the college free agent ranks. I hope they keep my Boone around as the RB2, and I hope they draft a running back as RB3. I did like what Crockett brought to the table in preseason, though. He had some wiggle to him, but I think the answer is both. They're going to give Mike Boone a bigger shot considering what they're paying him, and they're going to use a later-round pick on a running back. I don't know who that running back will be, nor does Chad, nor does George Payton right now, but I'm fairly confident they will emerge with uh, one runner. There are some good ones in this class, like like always, but... And Jan, thank you. Jan Fitz with the super chat. I don't recognize that name, so welcome. Oh. Appreciate you. Connect on Twitter. 
we uh, are much obliged. But guys, uh, that'll do it for tonight's episode. Zach, if you want to do the rundown, I'll pull yes, up our shout-outs for tonight. Have a great weekend, Chad. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you all for tuning in with us this beautiful Thursday evening. We're off until Sunday night, same time, same place. Until that time, though, follow us on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at MileHighHuddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at KelbermanNFL. Don't forget Scott at ScoutKennedy. And if you want, like Chad mentioned, coaching, coaching, coaching shirt, you want a hat like I'm wearing, a hoodie like Chad's wearing, a hat like Chad's wearing, we got everything and more to come. I'm thinking about personally, now that it's spring and summertime soon, I want a new uh, tank top for the gym. So anyone like-minded who wants to work out or be loose and comfortable in the warmer weather, I have something coming, but we have a lot of great items right there, huddleuppod.com and facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page, follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please Go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every single month. But if you can't do any of those things, please do these three things. Super important, super imperative. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHA channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. That it does. Much love and respect, guys. Shout out. We did hit goal on Facebook, so way to go, guys. We freaking went into last night's stream, Zach. With 20%, that's a big gap to to bridge in three podcasts. Not too big for Broncos country, though. Y'all are the best, number one, hands down. No doubt. But tonight, here's how you guys finish shout-outs. On top is Michael Ronquillo throwing down. Love you, bro. Travis Weber, Mike Reno, Travis Tarbox, Albert Knoppers, happy birthday, Andrew Baker, George Vaughn, Miguel, Shane the Aviator, Lana Stone, Carranza, Phil McLaughlin, Claude Riley, and Dave Glassman, plus our Super Chat superstars tonight. Much love and respect. We get uh, James Webb, Richard Anthony, Robert Otteson, Stu Meat, Sebastian Walker, Nash V, G. Hill, Ed Keating, Nathan, and Jan Fitz. So love each and every one of you. Appreciate it. We'll do the giveaways and the raffle Sunday night show. Don't miss that, guys. Thank you, Todd. Uh, last reminder, hit that like button before you dip on out, guys. If we did a good job for you, or at the very least, if you respect the effort, share this video out there. And as Zach said, help us reach those Bronco fans just like you. They're out there wandering the desert. They don't know this is out there waiting for them, this community. So that can help bring them in. Again, have a great, great weekend, guys. We'll see you Sunday night. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. Let's ride. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.